Yes, Glow. We are live. Once Amazing. Again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have some amazing news today. Yeah, and that probably explains why uh, why there's a bottle of champagne on our table. So um, please Let's tell start. us what's going on, Phil. What's going on? Yeah, we are live with Social Runners now. Socialrunners.com. So the actual reason why we started the podcast, uh, this podcast series in the first place yeah. uh, was to promote the whole community around yeah. socialrunners.com. Uh, small detail, the site wasn't really there yet. So there was only like one half of the website was there. So it's a two-sided marketplace. Yes, basically. it's a two-sided marketplace. Um, of creators on the one hand, uh, they can create a portfolio um, and a, um, a showcase of their yeah. creative work. That site was live. That, that site was live, but also for the bookers, but it was a mess. It, it was a big mess uh, until a couple of days ago. Yeah. With a big shout out uh, to the our, team. The well. team. Yeah. yeah. So if you're listening, Yella, this one is for you. Yeah. So even. It's our podcast, so welcome to you guys to Chaos and Amazement, where we explore the impact of digital technology on our daily lives. And my name is Chloe Willards, and uh, and this is uh, Phil Verheyen. Yeah. Maybe we need to show something. Like how you cork a bottle of champagne? Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I will cork the bottle of champagne. At the end of the... Uh, no? At the end? Okay, yeah, at the end is okay. Or well, let's we like messy things. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm just gonna announce the next uh, topic a little bit, and okay. meanwhile you just uh, try to open okay. the bottle without. Uh, I will. Killing the laptops and the iPads <laughs> and the uh, <laughs> the soundboard here, so we're in a completely wired studio with lightings above us. So we're going to open a <laughs> bottle of champagne. What could possibly go wrong, right? Hmm. We so like a little bit of chaos in our lives and, yeah. uh, and a little bit of amazement. The big news of this week was neither, actually. No chaos, no amazement. Uh, but it got a lot of attention. It was Google's I.O. conference. So usually in like October, November, you have Apple's uh, big uh, keynote. And, uh, and then, on, you know, in April, May, that's usually Google's event. It's a developer event. And, but obviously, whenever Google is announcing new features, they will do so at the developer yeah. conference. Um, and now, of course, uh, everyone was uh, waiting for the announcement uh, about AI because it's been, we, we already discussed it a couple of times compared to Microsoft. Yeah, there we go. There we go. I will so if you hear a big pop, that's not us. That's the bottle. Oh, yeah. That was rather nicely. I'm a professional. Club. Oh, yeah, you've done this before. <laughs> you've clearly done this before. So that went rather well. Um, the conference as well went rather well. Um, contrary to that, you know, hastily organized press conference in April that Google did, where one of their live demos went horribly wrong. Well, not not the demo itself, but they actually had a um, uh, a demo of their AI, which is now called Bard, right? And then it came up with a typical for a language model, basically, but n not very good if you're Google and you're doing a, you're doing a demo of your AI capabilities with uh, the, all the European uh, tech press present. The, uh, apparently, the answer the, uh, the language model came up with was, uh, was wrong. So that was in April. Now we're in May. They're doing the conference. Uh, it was not just uh, my uh, Google CEO, Sundar Pichai, uh, who was there? But it's funny because they should have called it Google's AI conference. Mm. Um, it, I, I now that I'm looking at it, I think it's funny that the CEO's name is Sundar Pichai. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and there's uh, The Verge actually had a, a very good article with a roundup of the new features and they also made a compilation of video. Uh, so the whole event was live streamed on YouTube, obviously. So it's a two hour event. I've included the link to the two hour video with all the announcements in my newsletter, clobelarts.substack.com. But just to save you a lot of time, um, here is the, I think, how many seconds? A 15 seconds summary uh, that The Verge made of the event. AI, 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 generative AI, generative AI, generative AI, AI as AI, 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 it uses AI to bring AI, 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 AI. Wow. So now, so now you know. Cheers. Cheers to social runners. Uh, there were a couple of announcements. There were a lot of announcements, and I was a little lazy. So I simply asked my now steady boyfriend, Bing, <laughs> to summarize the main points. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, according to Bing, uh, these three announcements are the most important ones. Uh, so now all of a sudden, uh, they're not talking about BARD anymore. I'll get back to BARD um, in a minute. Um, they're talking about a language model called Palm, Palm 2, P-A-L-M. And the LM stands for large, uh, for large language model. Um, I'm, I'm just going to read uh, from my notes. So the first announcement is Palm 2, a new and improved large language model that powers over 25 products and features, including a smarter, even smarter version of BARD. Uh, Palm 2 can handle various tasks such as coding, writing, and mathematics in more than 100 languages. Uh, so that's the first one. Um, so they're basically, the second announcement as well, what they're basically doing, remember that Microsoft calls the integration of AI features, including uh, ChatGPT, mm. and Dolly. They were very smart to call it Copilot. I think I still think that's a genius name for the integration of AI-driven uh, services in existing products and features. Copilot. It's like a wingman, a professional wingman at your side. So they don't take the wheel from you. Mm. But whenever you need like as an extra support from someone who is just just as highly trained and smart as you are, uh, that's that's where the AI services come in. So I like the word Copilot. And Microsoft is co-piloting all of their services, specifically Teams, for mm, example, yeah. which appears to be one of the most often used uh, Microsoft products, by the way. Anyway, Google I.O. or Google AI conference, Palm 2. The second one is Help Me Write, and that is a new feature for Gmail, okay. uh, a Gmail that allows users to auto-generate entire emails based on previous correspondences and relevant details. Users can also edit and expand the AI-created content as they wish. Okay. Logical, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, I noticed that I've been using ChatGPT ever since it was launched. It's particularly good I at helping you write emails. Yeah. Uh, so I, the integration with Gmail is obviously a logical one. Um, and Gmail already had a lot of AI features. I think their spam filter is one of the earliest examples yeah. of uh, of how an AI can, can detect uh, patterns of you know, spam agents faster than humans could do and then automatically already stop those messages before they end up in inboxes and keep up with, with spammers, you know, because mm -hmm. they, they always learn and, and try new stuff. It, it also makes my sentences, yeah, complete. Like when I start typing, they make the end of the sentence complete. And has it always done that? Only in English. Only in English? Yeah. So probably since it's um, very, it's joined at the hip with the language model, 
it will probably get a lot smarter. And Gmail knows a lot about you. I mean, mm. I think I don't know about you, but Gmail has been with me. Wow, for yeah. you know, a long time in good times and in bad Off. times. When MSN was gone, I was to Google. Yeah. Yes, I I remember when I got an invite. So that was you know the the, the typical growth hacking trick. You needed an invite to get in. By the way, people, um, if you have like a blue sky invite for me, I'm I'm open uh, to suggestions, <laughs> which is the Twitter yeah. alternative. Uh, by anyway, um, help me write. Makes sense. Um, and then the third one is a new feature for Google Maps that lets users explore their routes in realistic 3D model before they start their journey. I'm imagining Mario Kart style <laughs> explorations before you actually go out on a trip or something yeah. with bananas on the way. Yeah. <laughs> coins. Um, <laughs> coins, why not? Users can see landmarks and stops along the way and get a better sense of the directions. Yeah, like I, like I mentioned before, you don't win silver, you, know, you lose gold. And there's, uh, speaking of BART, um, so BART is still, one of the announcements also made at the AI conference uh, was that you no longer need to wait to get taken off the waiting list for BART is now available for everyone except okay. for 25 countries. So the whole world can now use BART except for 25 countries uh, from the European Union, yeah. including Belgium. Uh, so I thought that was uh, suspicious. Yeah. And it obviously has to do with the whole evolution about how the legal systems, particularly in Europe, are reacting to the exponential uh, change in, in AI products and how they're being implemented. So um, unless anyone has any questions or remarks about the whole AI thing at Google's, I think I think nobody really yeah, gets super oh, excited about it. I don't receive some stars. Is Stephen? Yeah, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. I feel like a Twitcher now. <laughs> yeah, Blockchain Valley to the moon. To yeah. the moon and back. That's something we can uh, encounter next week or the week the after. When it's ready. When it's ready. Yeah. Just like the bottle and champagne and social runners. So yeah. we hadn't talked about social runners for literally 17 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Uh, but we, you know, when we promise something, we, uh, we deliver. Yeah. So Bard not being ab available in the European Union. Um, let me first, um, I, I would like to give you a, an overview of how different parts of the world react to the exponential change, the, the singularity moment really, uh, this moment in time that we're living through when, when AI application are moving so fast mm. that it leads to chaos and amazement. And uh, let's first have a look at the United States. I noticed that it's, it's not specific to the United States, but the way that even local legislation, like separate states in the United States or the Senate, for example, they get very nervous whenever you drop the word AI. And I was a little surprised by that because up until now, there was this tech optimism from Silicon Valley and this whole story, the stories about the young founder, usually even like a college dropout like Steve Jobs and then you had Mark Zuckerberg. So the, the, the genius boy wonders uh, that would start, start something new, technology-based, that would change the world, like social media. So if you look, and then if you then look at OpenAI, for example, specifically, which is also an American product with a genius boy wonder at mm. its helm, Sam Altman, 
but he's not getting the same treatment. No. Uh, and and a lot, there's a lot of, it, it makes a lot of people very, very nervous. And what I noticed compared to Europe and China, we'll, we'll get back to, to those two worlds in a minute, the United States literally does not know how to react mm. to the AI singularity. They literally do not know. Um, and there's a, an, an article, I'll, um, I'll link to it. The title is Five Decades of Rising Inequality and Slow Growth Have Made the U.S. a Less Optimistic Country. So actually what the article is trying to say that the reason that U.S. citizens are so afraid of AI is that they've spent the last four decades, so since the late 80s, basically, watching technology fail <laughs> to produce a kind of rapid, broad-based income growth that it had in the past. That made them fear that any new technology will simply create more winners and more losers. Let me give you one example. Um, just after the Second World War, there was um, a lot of innovation in America, and, uh, coupled with an economic boom. If you look at American cars, American-made cars, the best cars were made just after the war in the 1950s Ford. and the 1960s. Yes, but even either other other every any any um, American like the muscle cars mm. that were being made, and you know these these low riders, and they they really made the world look up to the American cars. So they're still like a legend in their own. And then, uh, so this lasted for a couple of decades, and the whole car industry was booming. And and then and then it went like in Chicago and other cities were all you know everything was car based. Yeah. And and then of course a number of things happened, like the oil crisis in the start of the 1970s, and then Cold War. And Cold War competition from Japanese car brands, uh, German car brands. Yeah. So a number of factors, and I think. Um, I think it kind of uh, killed uh, the American dream for them. Um, and every time there was a new development in the field of technology coming, like, for example, Silicon Valley, the Internet, um, but also financial markets, um, they, the, the crash was coming faster and faster. So the whole dream, the bubble burst a lot faster than, usually it's like only after a couple of decades. And now every time that there's a bubble growing, it bursts after only 10 years. So the perception of American citizens, I think, is that, and I know it's a bold claim to make, but I don't think they still believe that their economy and the way they live is getting better with every generation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and maybe that explains why now Sam Altman and the other AI figures are not getting the same treatments as the, silica, the original Silicon Valley Wonder Boys got? Because the difference is huge. Yeah, but Sam is also a quiet person. That's you know, a good thing. Like, yeah, that's a good thing. But yeah, you need to make some chaos. I don't know. Oh, God. You have to. Yeah, you keep your finger on the button. Yeah. Elon Musk. Elon Musk <laughs> is chaos. And, and uh, I'm still... Uh, I'm still not sure if it's actually helping, uh, helping yeah, there, the company. There was one question. I was at the University of uh, Hasselt uh, mm -hmm. last Wednesday, and there was one student who asked one entrepreneur, like, what do you think is good? Is, is it good that Elon Musk is a personality like mm -hmm. he is? And, yeah, some CEOs yeah, tell, tell this guy, like, yeah, it's a good thing to be a little bit with chaos because 
everybody's talking about it. Because good and bad and you know, that's good marketing as well. I think there's um there's a limit to the benefits of getting of attention easily. Of course. There's um there's a certain level. I think as soon as you uh have uh, stock so when mm. people invest yeah. in your company, I think that's when the fun ends. Yeah. And the attention needs to stop. The CEO mm. needs to stop trying to get attention because uh, shareholders are a completely different animal than, yeah. than users or customers and media. Yeah, we, we have an example. Uh, we work. Mm. There's oh, a series yeah. on uh, Apple TV. Uh, we crashed. We crashed, yeah. And that was a good-looking guy. What was his name again? Uh, Adam. Adam, yeah. His name was Adam. But he and was crazy. I don't know. I I, I just uh, you know looked at a distance, and uh, I only it it was a very convincing story. But it's a story that people want to hear about the the genius boy wonder um, that you know dropped out. It's it's as if everyone is still waiting for the new Steve Jobs to yeah. to arrive, yeah. and he hasn't arrived yet. True. So maybe Steve Jobs was a, a singularity in his own. Um, but bored. So why don't um, so the United States in itself doesn't know how to react to AI, and maybe which is the claim of this article, um, it's uh, it's because they they are now once bitten twice shy. After mm. like for 40, 50 years, um, they they find it harder to believe in a, in a technological driven dream. Uh, China, on the other hand. That, oh, China is also. <laughs> oh God, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I would have avoided it if I knew, like the big red empire or something like that. It's no problem. It's one euro. You had the me there. Yeah. Um, so, my theory is that the AI ambitions of the uh, of the central government of the aforementioned country <laughs> started in 2017 when the then reigning world champion of the hardest game in the world, Go, Lee Sedol, lost from an AI. And an AI by Google, uh, by the way. Um, and uh, that was very humiliating, I think, uh, for that country. And in their five-year plan, so it's a centralized government, so the government tells everyone what to do, including um, they're very strict in what, what they want the economy to where, where, what they want to fund and what they want to slow down, uh, very centralized. And one of the things in the next five-year plan by the government was that they wanted to stimulate the development of AI. And I, I think, so some of these companies were funded, others got like cheap loans, uh, access to buildings. Uh, so a number of things that the, the central government did to stimulate it. I think out of that came things like TikTok. Yeah. I'm not sure, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, so for a while, China, the button does uh, it, yeah. Yeah, you got me now. Are you, are you, you, you sipped like two times ah, from your champion yeah, already drunk yeah. and, and dropping the um, ball. Yeah. <laughs> so for a couple of years, when it came to AI development, China was ahead of the United States. And then OpenAI happened. Mm -hmm. So I think similarly, just like at Google headquarters, where they had a lot of you know nervous meetings about, oh my God, we need to do something. I think something similarly happened in China. So um, I'm only now, uh, only now in May, um, we see signs that also um, in that country uh, measures are being taken uh, to kind of get ahead of the race again, um, and also a battle with legislation. 
um, Douyin, for example, which is like the Chinese version of TikTok. As you know, the TikTok logo is at the same time a T and a D. Mm-hmm. So it's just, they have the same logo, TikTok is a T in the logo, and then Douyin is the D. So they're like two sides of the same coin. So Douyin, the Chinese version of TikTok, it's also owned uh, by ByteDance, is going a step further uh, following the new Beijing regulations um, when it comes to content created with AI. So one of the things that generative AI uh, will probably enable is that it's getting a lot cheaper and easier to create content, Mm -hmm. text to video images, uh, anything. And uh, the funny thing is that TikTok specifically uh, the features in TikTok were already AI-driven. The feed is AI-driven, the algorithm is AI-driven, but also some of the features, um, were some of the special effects, for example, the very early use of a green key, virtual mm-hmm. green yeah. key, is all AI-driven. Um, but now there are new, um, new regulations from Beijing that they want to force social media users to label, like watermark, mm-hmm. more or less, when an image or a video has been AI-generated. I can see why, because deep fakes are getting better and better. Yeah. We talked about Unreal Keanu. Uh, it all started with Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah, it's also a Belgium company. I know, Chris May. Yeah, yes. amazing. Um, so just like as a creator on Instagram, for example, if you were paid to post this thing, it was sponsored, you're now forced to mention that it is an ad mm-hmm. and there's a lot of consequences to that. Similarly to that, according to the latest uh, regulations from uh, from the headquarters, uh, the, the government in Beijing, uh, you have to mark the fact that your uh, your content was made with yeah. And TikTok is is like the best student in class. Uh, mm. They say, oh yeah, yeah. If you want to go even further, so they're now crea- requiring creators to label anything created with AI. But I've been using CapCut for two weeks now. And that's like choke full of AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a little puzzled. What do they mean by that? Um, are they saying AI, but do they specifically mean deep fakes? Uh, probably. I think that's that's yeah. probably it. Um, Maybe we can ask our lawyer in two weeks because yeah. he will visit us and join us. What's his name again? Wim Weismans. Yes. And he knows a lot about yeah. intellectual Technology property. And intellectual property. Yeah. So we talked about the U.S., we talked about China, and uh, and then Europe, of course, uh, which is a, a whole different market when it <coughs> comes to uh, legislation. We're a lot stricter in a number of ways. And uh, we, last time we talked about the European AI Act and, uh, and then uh, the Digital Markets Act. Um, so they're voting about these things. So they will be they, they will be rolled out, I think, in the course of this year. And I noticed that there are three aspects, I think, that are typical for the European market and the European regulation. Um, The first one is uh, copyright. Uh, Copyright is a very messy thing. Um, Yeah. yeah. I mean, when we talked about Ed Sheeran last week, um, can you copyright the vibe of a song? Can you copyright the style of an artist? So that's that's very hard. Um, And um, so... um, of course, this will be one of the ways that European legislation will try to curb generative AI. But um, in an article that I read this week, the title is Public Knowledge Promotes Freedom of Expression on Open Internet and Access to Affordable Communication Tools mm. and Creative Works. Uh, but in policy, we're using the wrong 
weapon, I think. I, I don't think copyright laws, they're already, they are working in some cases, but usually they are too fuzzy to actually help artists protect their work. Mm. So we need we need something else. So what could that other thing be? Uh, another another weapon that um, European legislation often uses, of course, privacy and data pro uh, protection, where we're a lot stricter than United States and China, for example. And uh, so remember when um, Italy, yeah. the whole country of Italy, decided to forbid ChatGPT, <laughs> um, and they kept it up for like a month. Um, and, and I kind of made fun of it a little bit because that was in the same week of this super lame, let's pause language models development for six months. So, uh, But it had an effect because I think thanks to what the Italians did, uh, you now have the right to object to the processing of your personal data by OpenAI's models. Um, which uh, is is 100% in line with the uh, GDPR legislation. Mm. It's not a law. It's not legislation. Regulation. Sorry, yeah. you don't go to jail. But um, but um, the basics of privacy legislation in Europe um, uh, entails that you should know what data that a company, an organization has on you. You mm -hmm. should know what data they hold on you. You should have access to your own data and you should also be able to ask them to remove it. And if you know where to look, these legislation has been applied to, for example, Facebook, Instagram and the others. Um, and uh, if, if you know where to look, you can look at your own data and then delete and wipe the whole account. Yeah. Um, now, um, OpenAI is offering the same thing. Um, and uh, you, you, know, you have to know where to look, but they actually had, um, they have a form. It's not a Google form, but it's just as bad. <laughs> uh, it's on hsforms.com, uh, which is something similar like Google. So it's not a website or anything. It's just, uh, yeah, you asked for a form. Here's a form. Uh, but but the thing is, when you fill this in, you're telling OpenAI, okay, I, I'm inputting a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm Because the reason that OpenAI's uh, products are still free to some degree is that they need these five million people to train to train the thing. Um, so we're, we're actually their trainers now, yeah. uh, and we work for free. But while doing so, while working with it, um, we're also um, sharing a lot of very, possibly very sensitive private data. If you're having a conversation about it, of why is my butthole itching, um, <laughs> then it might it might use that information against you or sell it to a pharmaceutical. Kind of, uh, um, oh my God! Yeah, that's possible. Unless you fill in the form. So the the very ugly URL. Did you? No, I haven't. You don't care. I do care. I do care. But I'm more concerned about the third one. Um, I'm not as much concerned about the text that I input um, uh, because I know I typed this. Mm -hmm. I am typing this in. So it's my responsibility if I'm sharing stupid shit. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. Facial recognition is different. This mm -hmm. is nasty technology because it's done without the knowledge or the permission uh, of an individual. And um, um, if you ask me what does evil look like, my answer will be Palantir and Clearview. Palantir, which is uh, funded and founded by Peter Thiel. 
um, who was one of the first investors of Facebook, for example, and I think also Spotify, so obviously a very smart guy, also a very creepy guy, um, because Palantir and Clearview um, will actually, when we think of secret services and them holding files on us, like in spy movies, that's what they make money with. Mm -hmm. But the data is not being collected by spies. They scrape the internet looking for traces that are left behind, uh, for example, profile pictures, even if your profile is not public, Instagram or Facebook, the profile picture will be, it will show up. And they combine this with other traces of you to actually make unique files. They, they bundle it to, to have it point to one person. Compared with images of security cameras that are in public spaces, and that's where I get nervous because, um, especially in a country like Belgium, whenever you go out in an urban area or you drive your car or whatever, it is impossible to avoid the cameras. It is maybe possible to avoid social media and, and Google and the others and Microsoft. Mm -hmm. You might, I mean, it would be a very miserable life, but. At least you could do something, you could make the decision not to enter the system. Yeah. But it's impossible to avoid being traced down uh, through cameras. And these two companies are linked to that. And that's where I draw the line. And that's also where you EU lawmakers are drawing the line. Um, last time I checked a couple of years ago was that um, in the whole world, using a combination of security cameras and facial recognition uh, was illegal in Belgium and in Morocco. And I think these were the two only countries in the world. Now it's gone up to the level of e EU. Um, EU lawmakers agree to ban facial recognition use in public and predictive policing tools because that's the issue. So there was this, there, there has been, always has been, this law in Belgium that forbids using facial recognition software for predictive policing. So predictive policing is the idea that you can already go out and arrest someone um, based on their behavior that you've been monitoring uh, through traffic cameras and combined with facial, just like in Minority Report, really. Uh, Minority Report is, a, yeah. may I remind you, 2006 movie oh with God. Tom Cruise old. by Steven Spielberg, um, where Tom Cruise plays a character that is a police that goes yeah. out and picks up and arrests people uh, minutes before they actually commit a crime. Yeah based on their behavior patterns. So that is, uh, that's what Clearview, and then, so there's this law, and then Clearview's database got hacked, and um, someone uh, published their customer list on the dark web, and one of their customers was the Belgian Federal Police. Whoa. Um, there are several countries where there are cases that someone gets arrested because they look <laughs> like a criminal. What? Yes. Really? Yes. So for me, with the two. Yes, people. obviously. No, they look serious. Yes, their face is is recognized. It's identified by the AI as the face of a of a criminal that is actually on the wanted list, and so there there are already a number of cases of people who got arrested and convicted. Uh, and then eventually, it turns out that they had nothing to do with the crime. So if you are listening. React with a photo or selfie, and uh, we will also see if you're <laughs> looking like a criminal or not. Yeah, that's, um, that's predictive policing. So now EU lawmakers agree to ban, not just Belgium, um, EU, law, EU lawmakers agree yeah. to ban facial recognition use in public 
and predictive policing tools and set transparency rules on generative AI. We talked about that last time. So um, if, if an AI could be, there's like not the super dangerous AI where you have autonomous weaponized drones. Those are like killer machines. They're obviously very dangerous, but just below that, when governments are using AI to uh, divide their citizens into you know bad ones and good ones, um, that's where the law, that's what the, f the laws are for. And, yeah. and they're coming on a European level at least. And with, um, with uh, transparency rules, they mean that it has to be clear how is the data collected, who is using mm. it, what are they using it for, who is behind this. Who is, yes, okay. and I'm a big a believer uh, of that. So, um, so China is taking measures. So the U.S. is panicking. Uh, China is taking uh, measures. China, yes. Yeah, so, oh my God, I can't times, believe yeah. I was that yeah, stupid. Sorry. My God, I <laughs> hitting myself. Um, so TikTok um, is asking the users to be transparent about the use of deepfakes, let's say. And then on a European level, we're looking at copyright, not a big fan. Mm. Uh, privacy laws, very big fan. Facial recognition, uh, ban of facial recognition, super fan. Uh, so I think I'm pretty confident it's getting there. I am, to be honest, I am surprised by the speed. Yeah. Um, the speed of implementation because they're actually drawing up these regulations and they're turning them into laws. So it, it does, you know, it's a big machine. I think uh, they learned from the GD, GDPR. GDPR, that was, yeah. that was a very long, long process. Wow. Yes, I know. Maybe, yeah. And uh, so um, I'm still very optimistic. And America is still not moving to I have no news about the TikTok case. Um, I know that by now they have handed in the material that they promised to hand in. And there's this one state. So how many states are there in the United States? Are they 50 something, 52, 54, including 52, yeah, something yeah. like including Hawaii? Uh, so one of them, I'm not sure. I think it was Montana. It was a very random one. Decided to ban TikTok. <laughs> how? How do you even do that? It, it, maybe they have, maybe each state has its own IP range. Yeah, I, yeah. But was it, what does it even mean when you cross the state lines, your IP number changes, right? Yeah, for example, you have also an app in the Netherlands like Flitsmeister, it calls. Flitz, Flitsmeister. Yeah, and it always, yeah, it goes, uh, the, the, the police who are, yeah, how do you say? Speed Scanning? trapping, speed trapping. Yeah, they, they have a speed gun. I love yeah, the word, yeah. speed gun. Speed gun. And yeah, in the Netherlands it was active and in Belgium it, wa it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I went to a friend of mine and it was in the Netherlands. Oh, you need to download this. And I downloaded it. And I went to Belgium and everything was fine. But when I... Crossed the border? Crossed the border, it didn't work. But now it works. Now it works. It's open for Europe. Yeah. And IP numbers can be spoofed so easily so um on the other hand india has uh, banned tiktok for a couple of years now and on a country level it's easy of course because the ip range is uh you know very clear and you can on a country level um you can pressure the play store and and the apple app store to simply remove mm -hmm. um the the app but on a state <laughs> like united states one of the states level that was mm. Mm. Um, anyway, I like I said, I'm a, I, I believe it's going the right in the right direction, and that specifically on a European level, we're looking at the right things like yeah. privacy and uh, facial recognition. Good for Europe.
Let's have a look at a couple of uh, cool AI applications. Um, so Reed Hoffman uh, launched his uh, a new chatbot, and I know everyone is launching a chatbot. Everyone's, I mean, it's like everyone everyone wants to have solar panels on the roof, and then so it's like a, every company now is saying, "Yeah, we're having our own chatbots," and they're calling it Pi Pi. The URL is heypi.com. So h e y p i dot com. Still not as lame as my AI, <laughs> which is the one that Snapchat has. Um, so and you're looking at it, right? Yeah. So it, it's got. So it's 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 uh, starting off pretty normal. Uh, there is a rather clean chat interface with a very old-fashioned font. Um, the font looks like the type of book you get from the library. But you can chat with it, and uh, Phil is now having a nice conversation about science books. Yeah. Um, so uh, nothing, nothing special here. Um, the, the 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 bot responds to what you're typing in with uh, text, so it's a, a very generic uh, language model again. I'll I kind of like the quality of what was coming back. It clearly has a tone and voice. Um, uh, for example, uh, it now started the sense of it. Ah, astronomy. So you can almost imagine a, a, a character behind it. Like last week when we talked to Annie, yeah. Annie has a personality. Pi also has a personality. Uh, it will, however, like every other language model, um, if you're going in a particular potentially harmful direction, it will gently remind uh, you that it's just a language model. So, but why? So it's just a, you know, um, a very generic j just a you know another just another language model chatbot why am i talking about it so i kept going for a while and i think after like 20 questions and answers from it it will stop you um and uh and and try to convert you to filling in your mobile phone number why because it wants to continue the conversation not from a web interface where you're typing in things uh it wants to continue the conversation through your mobile number, for example, in a WhatsApp chat and WhatsApp calls. And um, I'm a little frustrated now because it's uh, it's not available in, uh, in non-English speaking countries. Just like BARD, by the way, BARD is not available in Europe. And now we know it's probably got something to do with the regulations we just talked about. So either Pi does not know any other language than English. Maybe you could answer, you could ask it. Uh, um, uh, does Pi speak any other language between English? Because currently the mobile version is only available in the US, the UK, Ireland, uh, New Zealand, Australia. Or it's also being held back by the European uh, legislation we talked about. However, I'm still enthusiastic about it because if Pi is a WhatsApp contact, it can contact you. <laughs> so the ones we've been talking about until now um, ChatGPT, you have to open up the website. Mm. Yeah, ring the bell. Okay. <laughs> uh, Bing, mm. you have to open up the app. Annie, you have to call. Yeah. Pi will probably call you. I'll, I'll just let that sink in. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> that's very interesting, I think. Very, very interesting. Um, because since it's a mobile app, let's just assume it's WhatsApp, right? Um, it's a bot in, in WhatsApp, it's in your contacts. It will have a lot of context from that. It will probably know who you're with, where you are, your whole history. Uh, so it will get to know you just like the dating uh, dating yeah. bots that we talked about. But whenever it's like worried about you, 
it might check in on you. But that is something that I'm working also with uh, the Blockchain Valley Virtual. I'm creating the Q&AI. That's, that's just, that's a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. You heard it here first, right? So yeah. you invented a concept called Q&AI. And the sentence that, yeah, that's already there is, ask or train me anything. And it will be your personal assistant. Mm-hmm. So if someone is going to your profile, your bot will take over when you're not active mm-hmm. or online. So you can chat with the bot, mm-hmm. the NFT, for example, the, the avatar, what it, what it will be. And you can chat with it and you can pick up after. After you left. Yeah. But up until now, all of these AI-driven bots and avatars and boyfriends, they were like a butler hiding behind the curtains mm-hmm. um, until you summoned them. Yeah. And Pi might be different. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. So what would it do? What would the parameters be for Pi to decide, I'm going to call Claw? I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Will it be Keanu or Bane? Or I'm, uh, no, or Keanu and me are over. Okay, you're going to call it Phil then. Phil? Yeah. No, it's called Pi. Yeah, call it Phil. No, Pi. <laughs> pi is a number. Yeah, uh, true. I like Pi. 3.14. Yeah. yeah. There's a, remember when we talked about uh, someone who tricked um, the, a language model into, so they made it believe that they were, that they asked it to behave as their um, grandmother that was telling a mm. bedtime story. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then that bedtime story was about that time she worked, uh, she was a lot younger and worked in a napalm factory. And that was how they tricked the language model into explaining uh, them how to make napalm. Now, one of the I was I was uh, it was a funny story, of course. But where the hell does it get instructions on Napalm? Because the regular Wikipedia doesn't tell you that. Reddit does, though, because Reddit has long been the the underbelly of the internet. And um, so now someone has actually made a chat interface for all of the content on uh, on Reddit. It's called the Giga Brain. The Giga Brain dot com. The Giga. You need the the Giga Brain dot com. Um, Gigabrain scans, basically scrapes, scans billions of discussions on Reddit and other online communities to find the most useful posts and comments for you. Uh, So ChatGPT was trained on Reddit, so why not go straight to the source? Uh, Are you looking at the the interface, uh, Gigabrain? Yeah, Yeah, how to make napalm. How to make napalm. Yeah. Because if you would... And if you would ask like Bing for this, Bing would immediately stop you and say, "No, I'm I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to tell you." But I have a hunch, so it's now analyzing. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's analyzing. I'm so. Oh, it's um, it says I'm sorry, but I cannot provide information on how to make dangerous or illegal substances. It's important to prioritize safety. Blah blah blah. However, now it's getting interesting. In the contents of Dungeons and Dragons, how the what? Okay, let's let's just roll with it. In the context of Dungeons and Dragons, some players may want to create substances like napalm or fertilizer bombs. However, it is important to consider whether allowing real-world knowledge to influence the game world is a good idea. 
additionally, it's suggested that the player's suggestion of 10x damage is likely too powerful and should be rejected. Instead, it may be... It's very careful, right? It yeah. may be possible to reward the players with a specific discovery or feat if they complete a mini quest or do something special. It kind of turned nerd really fast, mm. but still dangerous. And then, of course, the disclaimer again, it is important to prioritize safety and legality in all actions and to avoid engaging in activities that may cause harm or to themselves or others. Okay, yeah, I understand why it's doing that. Um, I was secretly hoping though. Yeah, but with the, the interview with Lex Friedman and Sam Altman, they are working on making it as safe as possible. Everything that is illegal, they're gonna put out, and I don't know is, if that's good or bad. I don't, I don't know. I think the concept of harm is a, a very important one uh, because that's, um, as far as I know, Belgian law is also based. So when you get a fine or, or arrested, where do you draw the line? Because you can call the police because someone is annoying you. Mm. It's not illegal to annoy someone. But if you can prove that there's harm that comes from it, damage yeah, okay, really, yeah, then... That's good. Um, uh, so there's there's actually... Y the, the police uses this concept to draw the line between where do we intervene and where not. And I think you can do the same easily uh, with an AI. Mm. Does any harm come from this? And if the answer is yes, then mm. then you throttle it. Um, so it is it is possible. Of course, I can understand a lot of people say you're actually lobotomizing it. Uh, the AI or your it's censorship. Um, you might be like the the Chinese government uh, that forbids people to talk about certain topics like the Tiananmen plan uh, um, square and what happened there. Uh, but the, the harm damage thing is a pretty easy line to draw. Um, Let's see if you can um, you can detect if an image was AI generated or not. There's um, Google Arts and Culture, which is a, a very accessible area of uh, Google uh, technology. I, I, you can if if you're like a teacher or something, there's a lot a lot of material in Google Arts and Culture, and this is one of them. So odd one out shows you. Um, so oh my god, yeah. Which one is the AI generated pebble? The 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 whole group of them. Yeah, the whole the, group. Yeah. The whole group, yeah. Almost. Oh, another one then. Oh my god. Yeah. You, time's yeah. up. You failed, Phil. Yeah, you it was do. the one on the right. <laughs> okay, so it was the one a uh, trident, the one on the left is the AI generated. Really? I think so. No. No. I, I think Okay, move over that. Okay, that escalated quickly. <coughs> so apparently, according to Google Arts and Culture's uh, online quiz, odd one out, we are both very bad at detecting AI-generated images. Um, how much time do we have? I just want one blog post, uh, maybe. So we can a little bit go over time today. Can we though? Yeah, we can talk about all the technology and then two minutes about social runners and to all the people. Yeah, and fish. We're also going to talk ah, about yeah, fish. fish. <laughs> Interesting. So I I came across uh, a robot this week, and, and you might say, oh, my God, Clue, another robot. I actually got this feedback on my newsletter from someone who said, you, you do talk an awful lot about robots. They're not that interesting. He was right. Sorry, I'm a nerd. <laughs> but they, if you compare this to AI, robots are kind of all going in the same direction, mm. right? They all look the same. They're all white. They all, they all have two legs. Um, but now there was an AI coming out, so maybe we can look at, at my blog post. The title is, Can We Trust AI and Robots? Why, why did I pick this title? Because 
AI has an, ima uh, has an image problem, a literal image problem, because we wanted to have a face, especially if it's a language model. We wanted to have a face. We, we don't want to talk to a big red button like... Uh, you know, I'm, af I'm, af I'm afraid I can do that, Dave. Uh, yeah. Was a big red, you know, shiny red sphere. Um, if we if we talk to it, we want it to look like a human about her our size. But this is not. <laughs> we'll get back to Amica in a minute. So when we talk about AI, we don't have an image of AI. What does AI look like? We don't know. Um, so very often, um, news articles when they talk about AI, they will use images from science fiction movies. Mm -hmm where AI-driven robots go bad, and they usually go bad. I mean, I can't think of any robot in science fiction movies that is actually turns out to be a good one. No. Uh, they always turn out to be the sneaky ones, and there's a reason for that, because technically speaking, uh, science fiction movies are like Western movies. So in Western movies, you had to make it really simple. Who was the bad guy and, and who was the good guy? The bad guy usually had a black cowboy hat and the good guy had a white. That's, that's where white hat, yeah. black hat comes from. And, uh, but then you could still play with this. Um, how did you know if someone was a villain? And um, you try to look at another human's face to determine whether they are a villain or not. So you try to look for cues in their face, like the eyebrows and the way they look mm -hmm. at you and the expression, whether they are about to attack you or not. And that is a very important skill. <laughs> uh, whenever you, you know, you're confronted with someone, uh, it may be a live or die situation if you can't sense yeah. that someone is about to attack you, right? So what the problem with robots is that they don't have an expression. So they kind of, we assume that they are bad because we, it's impossible for us to know what their emotions are and what, whether they are about to attack us. And yeah. this is why in science fiction movies, the robots always earn, turn out to be the bad guys. Yeah. There are a few exceptions, but they're very, very rare. Um, so that's an actual, we need to find an image for AI. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care. I, I mean, it could be like a brain with uh, chips and whole uh, circuits in it. Uh, but please stop using robots. Robots and AI are not the same. You're not helping when you're showing a robot when you're talking about AI. Um, however, when you look at robots, since we're on the topic, um, I am convinced that making a robot look like a human, I understand where it's coming from, but actually we are very messy machines. And make, giving it two legs, for example, makes it very hard. Um, uh, but let's just look at humanoid robots, the one with two legs. No, not Amica, the one before. So some uh, higher before, up. Yeah. yeah. So we already we, we already talked about Atlas from Boston Dynamics. The weird thing about Atlas is uh, it looks humanoid, but not very humanoid. It doesn't have a face, for example. And when you look at how people react to robots, Atlas usually, and I think it's because he doesn't have a face, he behaves like a human, right? They can dance, remember, yeah. these yeah, robots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this one is actually is getting overall very positive mm -hmm. comments. They like Atlas. They kind of feel for Atlas whenever he stumbles and falls and the way he trips and the little spring in his step. Um, so Atlas is, is perceived as a good one. Um, however, the one you're uh, triggered by, Amica, which mm -hmm. is... Uh, so Atlas is good with legs. His legs are really good, good leg work. He never skipped leg day, obviously. And then there's uh, Amica, A-M-E-C-A, uh, uh, from Engineered Arts, which is a, a British company. And um, she's very good at facial expressions. Um, and I can see why, because we want the robot to have facial expressions mm -hmm. so we can interact with it. Um, however, she is 
firmly based in a place called Uncanny Valley. Uncanny Valley is the imaginary place. So sometimes it gets too realistic. Yeah. So we actually, if you if you compare Atlas and Amica, we prefer Atlas over Amica because Atlas is not realistic, mm-hmm. humanoid. Yeah. And Amica is too realistic. And because it's too realistic, we feel uncomfortable when we look at her. Uh, uh, although it, 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 exactly because she's so good at mimicking uh, human. She's she's like 95% good at mimicking human expressions. And the 5% where she fails makes us uncomfortable. But also, yeah, the micro emotions. I think that is the thing. The yeah. micro emotions like here, that's the thing that... I'm scared of. Like the, the little twitches in the, in the cheeks and the eyebrows? Maybe they should give her eyebrows, man. Because yeah. I've been told <laughs> that um, uh, faces without eyebrows, the eyebrows are, are very important yeah. when we look at... Um, Maybe we need to visit and then you with your mascara, you can... Like yeah, Amika, hold on, darling. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so she's getting a lot of uncomfortable... Uh, and then the new one that I came across this week uh, is from Sanctuary AI. And um, so it doesn't, just like Atlas, it doesn't really have a human face. So it will probably be perceived a lot more positive than Amica. Uh, but the thing about uh, this one is, is that they started with the hands. Mm. So Atlas, the legs, Amica, the face, uh, Sanctuary AI, the hands. And I must say, so there's a demo here and I have to be honest. So it's yeah. not acting uh, on its own. It's being piloted. So there's someone with a remote. Uh, doing this and the images have also been sped up Mm, nevertheless um, hands are very complicated Uh, and the things it is doing it can solder um, you know chips it it can prepare food uh, and the AI will obviously be used to recognize the objects that it's interacting with and um, it's very very useful I think because we enjoy Usually when we think about robots that help us, we want it to do tasks that are too dangerous or, or too dull for us to do. Um, and, and there's one task that I really don't like. It's ironing. Um, <laughs> I don't mind, you know, cooking or cleaning or, you know, you, you feel better afterwards. Yeah. But ironing specifically, no, yeah. I really don't like. Um, and uh, now the thing, so they... The good thing that they did is they didn't do the face because they didn't try to make it look like a realistic humanoid. It does have, it has the size, it has the legs, it has the hands, not a face. But if they work together, it's just like iRobot. This three robots, yes. it's just iRobot. Could be, could be. <laughs> uh, because the issues uh, with this robot being driven by AI is, of course, so it could be a combination of Annie mm. and this robot, and you would have a companion in the house. But like a butler who is waiting behind the curtains, um, there's a lot of issues with this thing because it will know a lot about you. It will see you poop. And that's just, you know. Do you poop with the door open, yeah? I have cats. (laughs) You don't have any privacy when you have cats. And I've been told that dogs do the same and that the difference with cats is that when you poop and the dog comes over, they make eye contact, which makes it even, you know, more embarrassing. (laughs) so of, I understand where the AI connection is from so that it learns and that the whole, you know, chat language interface will probably it will remember your preferences, etc. So we come full circle now. Um, I 
advise against using a robot when you talk about AI, but now we're talking about robots that have AI embedded in them. So they're not just machines anymore. And yeah. this, uh, in this blog post, I think, what do we really need? Do, do I need a machine that does my ironing for me and knows exactly how I like my clothes ironed? Um, I do. Actually, there's a fourth robot um, that I talk about in my blog post, and this is one that doesn't exist. Uh, it's a, uh, it's Omeletto. Omeletto. I highly recommend the YouTube channel because it it uh, shows you science fiction movies that have been made by creative creatives from all over the world, and they're usually very good. And one of them, uh, what are we looking at? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's have a look. So there's a woman who orders a robot online, and he arrives in a box. Oh, that's her husband, How's actually. Uh, I'm just about to make some ragu. Cool. What's in the box? Uh, Shopify has sent us the wrong package. Predictive purchasing. You know, you've got the health benefits of an eggplant. Maybe this needs some context. So they sent you a whole box of eggplants? No, it's just... She's lying to her husband about a box uh, that arrived on her doorstep. And uh, the, so the box arrived with a robot inside. A humanoid AI-driven robot um, that does everything. He even has like a vibrating hand, which I think is interesting. That, that opens uh, <laughs> a lot of opportunities. But the reason why she's now uh, lying to her husband is that uh, not be here. He is. Um, oh my god. Yeah, it looks a little creepy. Yeah. He's he's definitely lives in. He has an ad he has like a post box in Uncanny <laughs> Valley. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> you have to watch it. Can, can we pause it for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So why does the husband feel that this robot is a threat to their relationship? Uh, not because of the vibrating hand. Um, it's because the robot listens and understands. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, and, and that's why she will eventually have to admit that she prefers the robot over her husband. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, uh, because the robot listens, the robot understands. And uh, so the the title of the movie on the YouTube channel called Omeletto is called A Mysterious Robot is Sent to an Unhappy Couple. And I highly, highly recommend it. Um, all right, let's end with some fish. Recommended the vibrating hand. Yep. She doesn't accept the vibrating hand, by the way. Okay. She tells it when it offers her the vibrating hand, she tells it to go back in its box and it does so. It just, you know, <laughs> go, goes back to the box and then sits in a box and then offers, uh, you know, yeah, you know, uh, you seem a little stressed. If you want me to just listen to you, I'm here if you want me to. So it's a very, very sweet robot. Weird and wonderful shit. We love ending with something. And this, this, this made awesome. my week. It's yeah. a Dutch initiative called the Visdurbel. Visdurbel in English is fish doorbell. <laughs> so it's not that hard <laughs> to guess what it's about. So what are we looking at? It is technically speaking a website with a webcam. But maybe it needs a little context here. Um, so, this, um, so the city of Utrecht in the Netherlands is live streaming a canal... Um, asking the internet to ring the doorbell when you see a large amount of fish so they can open up the dam. So basically there's a lock, a water lock, uh, for them to allow fish migration. So there is a person in charge of the lock or uh, to, uh, like a, a mini dam. It's yeah. like a door in the water. There's a lock. Um, but the lock, of course, uh, stops fish who want to go back. 
so how did they solve this? They they hung uh, a web camera in the water. Our live streaming is currently 357 people are watching at an image <laughs> of uh, greenish water, but unfortunately no fish. Next to the image, uh, next to the live stream, basically, well, it's a stream, but it's not very live. There's not a lot going on here. This is the doorbell. There's a big red doorbell. Uh, don't ring it. No, no, no. I don't know. When you ring, uh, when you ring the doorbell, uh, so the person in charge of the lock gets a notification and opens the lock. This Isn't that is amazing? amazing? That is just amazing. <laughs> I love it. And you also see how uh, uh, which fish has yeah. been have been seen, like an eel, for example, uh, one crab, two crabs. Yeah. So there's a, a carp. Um, so they actually uh, identify the uh, the type of fish. Now I was thinking, what if you combine this um, with a, bit, a little bit of Python scripting with another website I came across? Uh, which is called fishsounds.net. So I learned something new this week. Fish apparently vocalize. And when they vocalize, um, they don't say blub. That's not what they say. Uh, when they vocalize, and a lot of the fish, the ones that we mentioned uh, that are swimming in this river in Utrecht, uh, are also on this website, Fish Sounds. And this is actually a very, very big database uh, of the sounds that fish make. And then these sounds are named. Let's listen to... Um, this fish? Oh. This particular fish? No, that's very quiet. Maybe we should scroll down a bit. Um, so the ale, yeah, the alewife, there's a fish called, the fish type called alewife, and they can cough, mouth bubble, and snitch. Uh, let's, let's listen to the alewife. Yeah, it doesn't work. We heard it for a, a quite a little while. Yeah, but we are live streaming now, and we're still in Belgium with the internet, so. Belgium's internet is actually yeah, pretty know, good on a global level. Okay, let's get one more fish, one more fish. Which one is this? Let let me see what the fish is. Oh, wow. What fish is that? It's the bacon, no, toadfish. Toadfish. The, the, uh, and it boops, grunts, and swoops. I want to hear it again. That sounds a lot like a fish knocking on a door. Yeah. So you see where I'm going? Yeah. yeah. If they know how to, even Utrecht, they know how to identify the fish. By I the want to go back. Yeah. Bop, bop, bop. Blah, blah, blah. Open, open the door. So <laughs> they can actually automate this and don't need humans in the loop anymore to ring the doorbell on the Visturbel. <laughs> .nl. Absolutely. Sight of the week. The Dutch. Yeah. I got to love them. Ah, yeah. That was all for it. We're going to finish the bottle. I don't know about you. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you uh, again for more chaos and amazement. Don't forget socialrunners.com. We're still playing with the bubble wrap. Uh, so if you come across some uh, glitches or errors yep. or bugs. bugs, they will definitely be there. I would really love you to create a to create an account, a login, and then go through the motion, see if uh, everything works. Uh, and let us know. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for watching and listening. And until next week. And don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> Thanks very much. Bye-bye, everyone.